Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Old Testament. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 7 through 14. Before I read that, please pray with me. Word of God, speak life to us once again, so that in hearing your voice, we would carry your love out into the world. Amen. Listen now for a word from the Lord from Deuteronomy. For what other great nation has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is whenever we call to him? And what other great nation has statutes and ordinances just as this entire law that I am setting before you today? But take care. And watch yourselves closely, so as neither to forget these things that your eyes have seen, nor to let them slip from your mind all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how you once stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people for me, and I will let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me as long as they live on the earth and may teach their children so. You approached and stood at the foot of the mountain. And while the mountain was blazing up to the very heavens, shrouded in dark clouds, then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, which he charged you to observe. That is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord charged me at that time to teach you the statutes and ordinances for you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. During seminary, Thomas and I had a group of friends who faithfully gathered each week to watch American Idol. We formed our own teams and cheered for our favorites all the way through to the finale. However, after a few seasons, the show kind of became stale because you knew what to expect. And then Ben Folds and Sarah Barillis and Sean Stockman from Boys to Men hosted a show called The Sing-Off. And if my love for those three judges wasn't enough, the fact that it was an a cappella competition hooked me. Honestly, though, after three seasons... I kind of felt done with reality singing television. That is, until a show came along called The Voice. You see, the difference for me in The Voice is that the show hinged on the first series of auditions, which were called blind auditions. The four judges would have their back to the contestants, and the contestants had one song in which to make at least one judge turn around. If they got a judge to turn around, they would be able to move to the next series of auditions. It was not based on their body type 
It was not based on their stage presence. It was not about how they looked. The contest began solely based on their voice. By far, my favorite was season nine, when a young man named Jordan Smith got all four coaches to turn around. You see, Jordan was a large man, but he had the most beautiful falsetto, and he probably would have been counted out from any of those other singing shows because of his appearance or the fact that his body didn't match his voice. However, before they ever saw him, they heard his voice, and that made all the difference. We have a chance to hear God's voice, and it too can make all the difference for us. In our scripture lesson this morning, Moses is gearing up for a good sermon. In some ways, I feel like he might be kind of like a politician speaking. You see, he asks these rhetorical questions and has this parallelism. He says, what nation has a God so near? What nation has this law? In case you missed it, the answer is no one. No one has this righteous law. And for Moses, he is trying to let the people know that God is synonymous with the law. God is near because the people have the law. God answers through the law. You remember the Ark of the Covenant? It was that gold-covered acacia wood chest that the Israelites carried with them as they wandered through the desert because it symbolized the presence of God. But if it symbolizes God's presence, then why is it called the Ark of the Covenant? In Exodus 25, 16, it says, Put into the Ark the covenant that I shall give you. That is the law. So the Israelites literally carry around the law that God gave them, the physical manifestation of God's presence. For many of us, the idea of God being synonymous with the law might elicit a negative response. You might think that the law is strict or harsh, or maybe you feel like the law is boring and sucks the life out of a room. For Moses and the people of Israel, though, This was far from what they felt. This was opposite of what they believed. The law was life-giving and was to be treated with awe and respect. The wisdom they received, the guidance they were given, led to life. The law was not meant to be kept to themselves. It was intended to be shared passed down to the next generation so that they too would experience God's nearness, so that they too would receive its life-giving blessing. What would merit such reverence and an effort to share it with your children? Well, Moses reminds them that they were given the law with the gift 
of God's voice. You see, Moses recounts for them the story of Mount Horeb, of how they gathered and God came to them, not in a way that could be seen, but in a voice that they could hear. In the midst of fire, God spoke. You see, for Moses, this lesson was key. The people did not need to see God to know what to do because they had heard the voice of God when they received the law. The appropriate response for the people of Israel was not to make statues that represented God, but to be a people whose life represented God's deeds. They were to represent the acts of God to their children. They were to represent God to those that they encountered in their everyday life. These commands came from the Shema, which is also found in our Bible in Deuteronomy, and they may sound familiar to you. Shema in Hebrew means hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your head. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. If you know the Jewish practice of placing a mezuzah on your doorframe, then you know that this passage that I just read to you is written on a small scroll, and it's placed inside a mezuzah. I think this practice beautifully embodies the connection between the law and hearing God and the presence of God with us. So every time you enter your house in Jewish tradition, you are greeted by the physical presence of the law commanding you to hear. You probably don't have a mezuzah on your doorframe, but you may have some scripture memorized. Perhaps it's John 3.16 or Psalm 23. In this way, we too have a chance to follow the command of God to keep God's law in our heart. When someone passes away, you often hear loved ones say, what I wouldn't give to just see them one more time, or I wish I could just hear their voice again. We had our own moment like that a few years back. In March of 2017, Thomas's dad passed away suddenly, and there were so many things we wish he would have been there for, like faith calling me as your associate pastor, or the purchase of our first home, or the birth of our two boys. But we didn't get that opportunity. However, about six months after his passing, I came home to our apartment and found Thomas standing in our dining room with tears in his eyes. 
My heart sank as I could not imagine what tragedy had occurred to make this happen. You see, the only other times I had ever seen Thomas weep was at the death of a loved one. I was afraid to ask what had happened, but thankfully he broke the silence. He said, I was going to delete some voicemails today, and I found these. He began to play some seven different voicemails from his father. What was unique is that each one of them started with the same term of endearment. Hey, bud. In that moment, when Thomas could no longer see his dad, he could hear his voice. He could hear his love for him. In hearing his voice, he experienced the nearness of his father that we thought was no longer possible. I don't know about you, but I long to feel God's presence with me. There have been many times when I wish that God would just send me a sign or speak to me and tell me what I'm supposed to do. When I'm dealing with a sick family member, when I'm struggling at work, when I feel so lonely or a friendship is on the rocks. God, what's going on? Speak to me. Give me some guidance or at least some word of comfort. Moses' sermon is for me during those moments. Trinity, who's God? Is so near. Trinity, whose holy scripture teaches such love and justice. I may not be able to feel God's nearness physically, but if I am seeking to hear God's voice, to find answers, to know God's presence with me, then all I have to do is open the Bible. You see, over and over again in this word, I hear God's message of love. Over and over again, I hear of God's care for those who are in desperate situations. Over and over, Scripture tells me that God lifts up the beaten down and comforts those who are hurting. If I listen I can hear God's voice speaking to me through Scripture. But maybe you're not in that phase of feeling beaten down or of really needing to seek answers. Then rejoice, my friends, because the voice of God speaks to you as well, just as it did the children of God at Mount Horeb. You see, we are called to embody God's voice. As we read scripture, we don't simply hide it in our hearts. We let it flow out of our hearts to represent God, to represent the message of love and justice that we hear in scripture so that others have the opportunity to hear God's voice too. 
Tomorrow, we'll celebrate and remember the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Dr. King wasn't simply a civil rights activist or someone who was striving to end racial segregation. He was also a devout follower of Christ, seeking to represent God's message of love and justice. As a child, Dr. King's family would tell Bible stories around the dinner table. He hung on every word and began to study that scripture personally. As he studied, he clearly heard the voice of God speaking to him. As he moved into the forefront of the civil rights movement, the words God spoke went with him. In his most famous speech given on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, Dr. King drew from Scripture to help others hear the call for justice. He declared using the words of Amos that let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. He dreamed as the prophet Isaiah did that Every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. The crooked places will be made straight. Because Dr. King listened to the voice of God spoken through Scripture and was bold enough to share it with others, lives were changed. And the message of God's love and justice was proclaimed. May we this day be confident that God is speaking. That we can hear the voice of God through scripture. And as we listen, may we take it to heart and then boldly go share it so that others can experience God's voice as well. To the glory of God. Amen.